It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. On today's show, let's preview tonight's game against the Portland Trailblazers and discuss what's happening around Major League Baseball right now and how that impacts the NBA. Let's also Talk about a former Thunder player sustaining a serious injury in the Knicks, making a very important hire as it relates to your Oklahoma City Thunder, still riding high from that Philadelphia 76ers comeback in scrimmage game two. They prepare for the third and final scrimmage before they open up their seeding games on Saturday against the Utah Jazz. They're going to have a scrimmage against the Portland Trailblazers. This is the first time you can see the Thunder back on traditional television on Tuesday night. Whenever they take on the Portland Trailblazers at 5 o'clock, you're going to see them on Fox Sports Oklahoma. Uh, the last two scrimmages have been on OklahomaCityThunder.com, but now they're back on traditional television and will be throughout the course of these eight seeding games. And then, of course, as they move into the playoffs, they'll shift into national television games, same as we always know inside the playoffs. But for now, you can catch this game as well as the eight seeding games on the Fox Sports Oklahoma TV channel. And let's dive into this Portland game because this is going to be an interesting scrimmage. And I want to see what Billy, what Billy Donovan does today. He'll have his pregame press conference. We'll, we'll learn more as the day progresses here. But will he rest Chris Paul? Will he rest some starters? Because this game means everything for Portland. They're battling for their playoff lives. And I know this game does not count. But what I mean by that is when you watch Portland, when you watch these teams who are in the bubble to try to get that eighth seed, there's a different intensity level inside these scrimmages. You watch Portland. If you go back and see them play Toronto on Sunday, they were scrappy. They were chippy. They were trying to win that game. They were trying to act like that game mattered because for them, you can't sleepwalk through the scrimmages and then get off to a slow start in these seeding games. If the Thunder sleepwalk these scrimmages and get off to a slow start, they're fine. They've clinched the postseason. If the Portland Trailblazers do that, get off to a slow start, then their season is over. They're fighting for that eighth seed, or at least for that ninth seed to reach a play-in game, a play-in series. So for Portland, this game does matter. You have to treat this game like it's a real game because you need all of your all hands on deck. You need your starters. You need everyone ready to go uh, and, in, and in true game shape and intensity uh, for your first seeding game and beyond that because your season is on the brink if you're Portland. You're not set up that well to get to that playing game. You have a harder schedule than New Orleans. You have some injuries that New Orleans does not have to deal with. So Portland needs this game to go well in the scrimmage. They need to, to, to put their best foot forward and it could result in them playing with a higher intensity level than Oklahoma City. And when that happens, 
it could result in chippiness and injuries and things that you don't want to see. So with, with all of that in mind, do you see Billy Donovan rest Chris Paul? Do you see him rest some of these starters? Now, Portland will be without Damian Lillard, who it hasn't been announced officially yet, so let me retract that a little bit, but he's dealing with inflammation in his foot, and he sat out Sunday. Will he sit out, sit out Tuesday? I'm not sure, but all signs are indicating he won't play. Now, this can all change by the time you're listening to this, but as of right now, all signs are pointing to that he will not play in, this, in the scrimmages, but he'll try to make a go of it in the seeding games. So now that we have the housekeeping out of the way, let's dive into the game. And my biggest thing to watch for in this game, because the scrimmages don't matter, uh, honestly, outside of the comeback, like outside of the final you know, 10 minutes of that fourth quarter, I did not look at the scoreboard once in these two scrimmages. Uh, the scoreboard is the furthest thing from mattering. So uh, luckily the Thunder in that position and not a, a position of a team that needs to ramp up and try to uh, truly win these scrimmages just, just to make yourself uh, feel good about heading into the seeding games. So what matters to me the most, the, the biggest thing to watch for, is Entree. Because he's been he's been good. We've raved about him on Monday's show, talking about how he played against Boston, talking about how he played against Philadelphia. He's been good. He made a jump from the Boston game of 12 minutes to the 76ers game of 15 minutes. Is 15 the plateau? Or is there a second jump coming? Is there another jump coming uh, in this Portland series? In this Portland game, I should say. And I want to see Andre play earlier in these games. I want to see him perform against starting level NBA players. He didn't do that against Philadelphia. He didn't do that against uh, Boston. I want to see what he can do against the C.J. McCollum. Can he be competitive at least? Again, I think it's a little bullish still, even though, even if with what we've seen from him inside the bubble so far. I still think it's a little bullish to expect him to be an elite defender when it comes to defending CJ, but can he be competitive? Can he keep up with wings, or is he now strictly a power forward for this bubble? Is he strictly going to be someone who can get in the passing lanes, but when it comes to manning up, probably going to need him to man up on a, on a power forward. I want to see him get in the game earlier and play against some Portland starters. And again, without Dame, that takes a little bit of a, of a blow to, to what you could see from him. But if he matches up with CJ, who's playing very well in these scrimmages, that, that would be pretty cool to, to, to really gauge what you can get out of Andre. That can go a long way in telling us what he can provide for this team in the eight seeding games in the postseason. So that's my biggest thing to watch for. Is there another jump from 12 to 15 and 15 to 20? Can he get up past 20? I think 15 is right where you're going to be at for this for these games in Disney World and the postseason. I think 15 is right where you're going to stay with Andre, which is already an improvement from what, from what I thought, which was going to be 10. I thought 10 was going to be your max, but he passed that on Friday and then went up to 15 on Sunday. Will he have another jump? I'm not sure, but that's the biggest thing for all these scrimmages is how does Andre look? And I do want to see him play earlier against some NBA caliber players. And I also want to watch for uh, Steven Adams. If he does play, if the starters play, do they continue to feed Steven Adams? Do they continue to make it a priority to get Adams involved early offensively and to really allow him to try to go up against Hassan Whiteside, uh, against Yusuf Nurkic, uh, against the bigs of Portland? Do they continue to feed Adams? And does he continue to play well 
against Whiteside, against Nurkic, against all of the of the big guys that Portland can throw at you, does he continue to thrive inside the bubble? Because he's looked like a totally different person. And we talked all about that yesterday. He's looked more physical. He's looked more assertive. He's looked more confident. He's looked totally different. So does he continue that against Portland? And another thing I want to watch is for Gallo. Gallo has not had a Gallo game. Like, he hasn't had a game where he's on a fire from deep. He's feeling it. He's had. He has a beautiful shooter stroke. He hasn't had that yet. I would like to see Gallo, if he plays, to, if he plays tonight, I would like to see him go off a little bit and get hot from downtown. I really would. His possessions, his touches have been a bit clunky through these first two games altogether. I want to see him kind of get in a rhythm uh, heading into these eight games because this is your last tune-up. This is your final tune-up before these games matter come Saturday. And for the Thunder, you have clinched. So in a way, that takes pressure off, but you're in the jumbled mix. You could easily be a four seed. You can also easily be a sixth seed, maybe even a seventh seed. I think that I think that seven and three, although those are still technically possibilities, I think seven and three are the outlier. It would take something dramatic to happen, good or bad, to get either one of those. I think you're going to fit in between four and six on the seeding. So you're in that jumbled mess here. This is your final tune-up. I'd like to see Gallo put his first step forward. And then the last thing to monitor before the break is Terrence Ferguson because it seems like he's fallen out of the playoff rotation. It seems like he's no longer a priority. As someone who was once a starter for this team, it seems like he's not going to get much run as the Thunder shorten their rotations as they move into the postseason. So when does he come into this game? Is Diallo still going in ahead of him? Is Baisley still going in ahead of him? Does Andre even jump up and go in ahead of him in his third game of action? Uh, Nader, I don't think, will play, obviously. He's in concussion protocol. I don't think he can, get, he can get cleared this easily. I think you're hoping he can get cleared for Saturday, but not not today. So how do they balance Terrence Ferguson in this rotation? Because it certainly seems like he's out of that playoff rotation. After the break, we're going to talk all about the Thunder announcing what names they're going to wear on the back of their jerseys as we start these eight seeding games and also how the MLB has affected the NBA. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So as you know, the NBA is allowing players to, for the first four seeding games, to change the name on the back of their jersey to a social justice message. I've given them credit for doing this and both putting the Black Lives Matter on the court itself to where it's in your face there. Um, I, I like what the NBA has done to take that approach of not only are we going to allow our, our players to express themselves off the floor on social media and press conferences, but we're also going to allow them to express themselves on the floor uh, to where even if you tune that stuff out, even if you tune out media, if you tune out social media and, and interviews and things like that, you're still going to hear their message. And we got the list of what the Thunder players will be wearing. So let's go down it really quickly before we get into how the MLB impacts the NBA. So the back of the Thunder jerseys for the first four seeding games will read for Diallo, Ferguson, and Schroeder, Black Lives Matter. For Shea, Noel, and Chris Paul, it'll read Equality. 
Veronica Robertson will read I Am a Man. Devin Hall is Love Us. Mike Muscala is Peace. Abdul Nader is Peace. Stephen Adams is Stay Strong. Lou Dort is Respect Us. Kevin Hervey is Shalom. And uh, Delano Gallinari is Justice. Uh, and I do like Andre putting the I'm a man on the back of his jersey because messages like that really spark people to look it up. What does it mean? And then you learn about what it means. And Mike Conley has done this because he was so tied to that Memphis community. And you should really look up with the messaging behind I am a man because things like that encourage you to inform yourself of what these movements are. And another big reason that this is so huge is not really for uh, people like you and me who are consuming NBA media and in NBA media and for you listening to an NBA podcast, you're old enough. I mean, you you either uh, respect this decision or you don't. It's for the younger generation who's watching these games on TV. And and even so young where you're still watching with your parents and talking to them about it, uh, you know, your son turns to you or your daughter turns to you and says, what does I'm a man mean? What does Black Lives Matter mean? What does Shalom mean? And you and you look up these things with them or have to teach them about them. You're forced to have these conversations uh, about their platform. So I really, I really applaud what the NBA and the WNBA has done on this front of putting their messaging on their uniforms, on the court, and forcing the conversation. So those are all the players who elected to change the name on the back of their jersey uh, and what they will say. Now let's move into this MLB story because I do think that Major League Baseball, what happens here, impacts all of sports. Now, if the MLB shuts it down and they cancel the rest of their season, that does not mean the NBA or NHL bubble is going away. Not at all. I mean, the the NBA bubble has seen zero positive tests. It's going to conclude. We're going to get a playoffs. We're going to get a champion. It's going to be fun. This is going to be a fun stretch, starting on Thursday with with the grand opening of the seeding games. Then for the Thunder, they start on Saturday. It's going to be awesome. Let's be honest. It's going to be awesome to have uh, that outlet of sports and that camaraderie and things like that. But for next year, what happens in baseball right now directly impacts the NBA. Because baseball did not do a bubble. They decided to do regional travel with no fans. They tried to take the precautions. They tried to test every day. And yet still, the Miami Marlins have seen an outbreak of of 11 of their 33 traveling party members have now tested positive for coronavirus. Most of their players and staff members who traveled have had coronavirus now. And we're unsure right now, as I'm recording this, of the ripple effects of Philadelphia, of the team that they've played, Philadelphia Phillies, and the ripple effects within their own team because this was a road game. So those players traveled to Philadelphia on a plane and lived in a hotel together, and you you just don't know what's going to happen here, how contagious this is going to be. It's already gotten 11 of them. Who's to say it's not going to spread in a week to even more of that 33 group? that made the trip to Philadelphia. And they did everything they could. They did regional play. They did you know regional travel. They did no fans. They did testing every day. But the bubble was not an option for them. If you remember, if you've been looking into all these sports, baseball was the first sport to conceptualize a bubble. The problem is you're not asking them to do a bubble for eight seeding games and then a, and then a postseason. You're asking them to do a bubble for at least 60 games and then a postseason. For the NBA, the Suns, the Kings, the Spurs, the, the Wizards, those teams, the Blazers, those teams are out of it. In, in two weeks from now, they're done. They're home. 
They're living their life again in two weeks from now. As quickly as they got there, they're going to leave. The, the bubble is only going to be elongated time for teams winning a championship, for teams reaching the Western Conference Finals and the Eastern Conference Finals, and for teams winning the NBA Finals. That's the only teams that are going to be in this bubble for a long time. You're not asking every team to stay there for three, four months away from their family. And in the, in the MLB's perspective, they were also asking them to not only live in that bubble, but to take a dramatic pay cut. So that was never going to happen. But you cannot just assume the NBA can pull off a bubble again in three months with all 30 teams now. So you move it from 22 to 30 teams, and you move the game total from, okay, get here, quarantine two weeks, play eight games, get out of here, to, okay, get here, quarantine for two weeks, have a little training camp period for another two weeks, and then play 82 games, or then play 60 games, or then play however many games that they want to play, and then play the postseason, all while you're away from your family and isolated inside this bubble. And then you cannot ask their families to isolate with them. I mean, that's not a way to live. That's not a realistic option for any of these leagues is to do a bubble. So if the MLB cannot figure this out, if the MLB cannot figure out a way to regionally travel to play in front of no fans, and to contain the virus, then it could spell trouble for the rest of basketball, for the rest of sports. Again, that's 30 guys. Now, basketball teams are smaller, but they still have like a 35 travel party, just like the uh, travel party of the Marlins. And football is just outrageous. I mean, 75, 80, 90 people traveling at a time. So depending on how this baseball situation pans out, it could spell trouble for sports in the future for sports moving forward here after the bubble period is over because you cannot ask these teams to have their players in a bubble for an 82 game season especially then you would turn around and say yeah I know you just got out of the bubble on October 12th and that was whenever you won the title and you went home I need you to re-report to the bubble the day after Thanksgiving that's not going to work it just cannot work and then of course, you get into the technicalities of you know, would Disney want to close down half the resorts to accommodate 30 teams? And along with the staffers, they would need to accommodate 30 teams. You would, again, just add more workload with more teams, obviously. How is that all going to work out? You just can't do a bubble. The bubble is out after this. The bubble can only work for a dire situation where you want to, where you want to crown a champion and you want to quickly end your season. And we all know... The season, this you know, this NBA restart is not about crowning a champion, really. It's about the money and the TV product and getting these games back on Fox Sports Oklahoma. That way they have to pay out their TV contract. That's what it's about. But in a situation like this, you can handle it. You cannot handle it for 82 games, for even 60 games. It's just impossible. So the bubble is out after this. And if baseball can't do this, and they're the first ones to try, so maybe you can learn from them and adapt your plan to where your plan would work. But if they cannot handle the first weekend of baseball, that's not good. That's not good for the rest of sports. So we'll monitor the situation over in the MLB. And a positive note to leave you on with the bubble uh, before we get on to, go into a break and talk about some NBA news, a positive note here is that I think there's a chance that this bubble shows owners they don't need to worry about waiting until fans can return. So there's been two schools of thought on this. There's been my way of thinking, which is there is absolutely no way the owners and the players will not want to start before Christmas or on Christmas. But that Christmas day, there's going to be NBA basketball. On Christmas day, 
there's going to be NBA basketball. That's their only day of the year that they own, that they have a stamping on, that they have worldwide recognition on is Christmas Day basketball. It's the same for the Super Bowl and for the uh, and for Thanksgiving with the NFL and for Sundays with the NFL. The NFL owns a day of the week. The NBA owns a singular day on the calendar, which is Christmas Day. So I have never thought that the NBA would miss Christmas Day. But recently, there's been reports about owners who are saying, hey, why don't we just not start a season until March, whenever we assume there will be a vaccine, we assume fans can come back into the stadium, and we can get more money that way. I think that that this bubble experiment could show those owners there's no need to wait, and we can get this season started earlier. If the TV ratings go absolutely crazy, which, if there's no baseball happening, which takes away one of your competing entities, if there's no baseball happening and you're already going to dominate whatever hockey can provide, you're already going to dominate whatever the MLS can provide, and I'm still skeptical football can get started and now they don't have any preseason to even try to compete with you, your TV ratings could be so good that owners can demand even more money from your TV partners and it will be worthwhile in starting this season earlier, assuming you can make a plan in which traveling to each arena would not put anyone at serious, serious risk. A lot of this is still up in the air, but that MLB situation is worth monitoring as we move forward talking about the NBA and discussing kind of next season. But until then, we have our own season to talk about. It's going to start this week again on Thursday. We're going to start seeding games and then the the Thunder get going on Saturday. So this week coming up on the podcast, we've got a season preview for Thursday about all about the bubble and predictions about what's going to happen inside the bubble. Friday, we're going to preview the Jazz game in depth. Uh, Tomorrow, we're going to recap the Portland game. So it's going to be a full week uh, here on Locked on Thunder. After this, we're going to talk all about Lou Williams and wings that are so good, they make you want to go to an Atlanta strip club. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. So we're back on the Lockdown Thunder podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. So let's wrap up some NBA news here as we wrap up the show. Lou Williams left the bubble for family reasons, but took a little bit of a detour and went to a strip club in Atlanta just for the wings. Now, no, no pleasantries were exchanged. It was simply a business trip to pick up some wings for dinner. According to Lou Williams, he has been sent to a 10-day quarantine and he'll miss some seating games, obviously, for the LA Clippers. What are we doing? I mean, what are we doing here going to strip clubs for wings? I don't care how good the wings are. You cannot go to a strip club in a global pandemic for them, and you especially cannot go to a strip club in a global pandemic for wings and get photographed and then have that photographed on Instagram. What are we doing, Lou Williams? Pick it up. On a serious note, this could have seriously 
brought coronavirus back to the bubble. And then we know the ripple effects of having someone like Greg Popovich get it, who is like 80,000 years old and could die. But on a funny level, how in the world are strip club wings good enough to risk the bubble, the NBA bubble, and risk your team winning a championship? Especially whenever you leave the bubble for family reasons. I'm not sure what the family reasons were, but it did not stop Lou Williams from going to a strip club for some wings. But Zion is back inside the bubble. He also left for family reasons. No detour for him to a strip club that we know of, but he is returning to the bubble. He'll practice on Wednesday, and he should be available to play in their opening game against Utah on Thursday. That's the NBA's marquee game Thursday uh, to at least open up the season is Utah in uh New Orleans, and then they'll move into the LA teams playing later on that night. So Thursday's a good day of basketball, especially if you can watch Zion play. Patrick Beverly is back in the bubble. He should only get a four-day quarantine as well. I think Lou Williams only got that 10-day quarantine because he went to a strip club, honestly. I think that they're saying it's safety, they're saying it's protocol, but really it's a bit of a punishment for going to a strip club because if it was safety and it was protocol, how are some guys only getting four and one guy gets 10? You've seen the two guys that broke rules. Lou Williams did not have permission to go to a strip club. He had permission to attend whatever family thing he needed to attend. And Rashawn Holmes did not have permission to cross the barrier for uh, Grubhub or Postmates or whatever delivered him food. And you saw him get 10 days. But Zion has permission and comes right back. Patrick Beverly has permission and comes right back. They get four days. I think that they're punishing these guys without calling it punishment. Because if you called it punishment, you'd basically be telling grown men, hey, go to your room for 10 days. Go sit in your room for 10 days and think about the strip club wings that you had. You can't really do that. That's not a good look uh, in terms of PR for the NBA. So I do think that the 10 days is more punishment. And a guy like Dennis Schroeder, who will leave the bubble for the Thunder uh, for the birth of his child, as long as he is testing negative every day and he has a negative test when he returns to the bubble, he'll only get a four-day quarantine and rejoin the team quickly after that. So the biggest piece of NBA news this weekend was the New York Knicks hiring Tom Thibodeau. And I've had a whole podcast about this and how this directly ties to the Oklahoma City Thunder because the Knicks have put a full court press on getting Chris Paul. They've made it known since this trade went down to bring him to Oklahoma City, the Knicks wanted Chris Paul. And that got heightened even more when they brought in Leon Rose, uh, who has those huge ties to Chris Paul. So I think that this move with Tom Thibodeau really confirms that, that they want to win. They want to be a playoff team. Now, obviously, no move, including trading for Chris Paul, will make them a contender next year. Do not fool yourself, New York. But in the East, a move like Chris Paul can make you a playoff team. So a move of, of getting Tom Thibodeau, to me, says that this franchise is desperate to win. This franchise is desperate to get back to the postseason and they're going to do something stupid or they're at least willing to do something stupid like give up a ton of assets for Chris Paul. Now, Keith Smith of Yahoo also told us on this podcast that Chris Paul's going to demand assets back. He's going to demand something back. But I think the Knicks are still willing to overpay for Chris Paul after this hire of Tom Thibodeau. So that's something to watch for as we move forward into the offseason. But uh, DeMontis Sabonis has suffered a significant foot injury for the Pacers Seems like the wording of significant foot injury sounds like he's not going to be back for the seeding games and not going to be back for the playoffs. So if you're the Pacers, why would you even play Victor Ladipo? I know he played last night against Dallas in, this, in the last scrimmage for them or the second-to-last scrimmage for them. I think that without Sabonis, this team is 
they were already not competitive to me. They were already not a team that I'd be afraid of in the first round of the playoffs. But without Sabonis, that's even they're obviously even worse. So do you even risk putting Victor Aladipo out there and, and having him possibly re-injure himself? Or, to me, you sit Sabonis, you sit Oladipo, and you just try again next year. And that, that simply has been the plan for too long in Indiana, is try again next year, let's see what happens. I wonder how this offseason goes for the Pacers. I wonder uh, what the feeling is in Indiana. And if you want to know how they're feeling up there, go check out Locked on Pacers uh, and get all the scoop from your local experts on all of these teams. But to me, you've just... You've been saying next year for a long time in Indiana. And Indiana is not a team that really tanks, so that that's pretty clear. Uh, this is their MO of being just good enough or just mediocre enough. But at what point is the Sabonis Oladipo pairing uh, with their injuries, with their inability to really make some noise, at what point is it enough? And it's time to find a new core. It's time to find a new uh, thing to hold on to if you're the Pacers. So that's the NBA news tomorrow. We're going to recap the Portland scrimmage, the third and final scrimmage. We're also going to talk about the expectations of this team. Again, I set expectations before the scrimmage. Let's set new expectations after we've seen the scrimmages and as we head into the eight seeding games. And then we'll set expectations again as we move into the postseason. So it's going to be fun tomorrow. On Thursday's show, we're going to have a huge, and I mean huge, NBA bubble preview show awards, bubble awards, playoff predictions, thunder predictions, everything you can ask for on Thursday's show. And then again on Friday, we're going to preview in depth the Utah Jazz game, all about how the thunder match up with the Jazz in their first seeding game of the bubble on Saturday afternoon. So I'm Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.